0: Welcome to the Cyber Beer Show Beers from Lockdown, Volume 7 This time we're taking a hop across the pond to the USA to the Commonwealth of Virginia to explore beers and breweries from that area in the company of Beer 52's Richard Grosstown. Let's get into it Where is Virginia? Virginia, officially the Commonwealth of Virginia, is a state in the southwestern and mid-Atlantic regions of the United States between the Atlantic coast and the Appalachian Mountains. The geography and climate of the Commonwealth are shaped by the Blue Ridge Mountains and Chesapeake Bay, which provide habitat for much flora and fauna the capital of the Commonwealth is Richmond. Virginia Beach is the most populous city, and Fairfax County is the most populous political subdivision. The Commonwealth's estimated population as of 2019 was over 8.54 million. The history of the area begins with several indigenous groups, including the Potawatomi, Powhatan. Yeah. I want to go with Pautan in the Powhatan, that's P-O-W-H-A-T-A-N. In 1607, the London Company established the Colony of Virginia as the first permanent English colony in the New World. Virginia's state nickname, the Old Dominion, is a reference to this status. Virginia was one of the 13 colonies in the American Revolution. The Virginia General Assembly is one of the oldest continuous lawmaking bodies in the Western Hemisphere, and is made up of a 40-member Senate and 100-member House of Delegates. That's a little bit about Virginia from Wikipedia. As there's no actual intro to this in the magazine, I'm going to read you the first part of the editor's note from the ferment magazine, because it's usually a little bit of an intro, but this one is just a map. Whenever we go to the US, it's guaranteed to be an amazing beery experience, but nothing had quite prepared me for the welcome I received in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Every day was packed with amazing producers doing what they love, whether that's beer, wine, cider, whiskey or amazing food. We brought back the best beers for you to try with us, although I also strongly recommend you make the trip yourself one day. Enormous thanks to everyone who welcomed me so enthusiastically, but particularly to Stephanie and G and the whole team at the Virginia Department of Agriculture and Consumer Services who really pulled this together. I'll well, ask a little bit about the state of Virginia. Let's see what I thought of their beers. Where did we go and what did we do? Find out next. And our first beer comes from Richmond, Virginia. From Hardywood Park Craft Brewery in an area of the city known as The Diamond. Richard Crosdale meets the founders of a true Virginian trailblazer to discuss how they've translated a community ethos into commercial success. 20 short minutes outside of Richmond, Hardywood Park's Brewery and Taproom could be a megachurch if viewed from a distance. That's until you spot the towering grain silos, of course. Inside, though, this impression is only reinforced. The nave is where the faithful gather to sample the latest and greatest, or revisit old favourites. Watched over sternly by a steel brew house on one side, and an array of shining fermenters at the far end, gleaming like the fat pipes of a bassy church organ. This is a cathedral of brewing. He's definitely got away with words, hasn't he, Richard Christa? The brewery story also starts with a humble shepherd just shout if this allegory gets tiring tending to his flock in the Australian outback on a large farm called Hardywood Park Staying with him for a couple of weeks back in 2006 were two young backpackers Eric McKay and Patrick Morto from New York City and Connecticut respectively The pair had been friends since childhood when their families holidayed together and they had even talked idly about going into business but without any clear idea of what they wanted to do. But it was in Hardywood Park, after a day of shearing and dipping sheep, that Eric and Patrick received their calling to hire service in the shape of a cold pint of the owner's home-brewed beer. It was in the middle of nowhere and there were no grocery stores, recalls Patrick. At the end of the day we'd got to finish with a glass of beer and at the time it's the best stuff I'd ever had. My first experience of handcrafted beer. It had so much flavour to it, and I was just blown away. He taught us about home brewing, and we decided we had to start brewing when we got back to the US. About a year later, the pair got their first home brewing kit. It was pretty basic, just Gatorade jugs. And inevitably became obsessed, and decided to work towards starting their own brewery. Rather than leaping in with both feet though, they both went out into the world to get the skills, experience and contacts they would need to make their adventure a success. Eric went to business school, then got a job at a large distributor handling big name British and American beers, and developing a particular interest in getting craft beer into high end restaurants. Patrick meanwhile went to brewing school at the Seibel Institute, which included a stint at the legendary Doman's Academy. I didn't know until after. But my great-grandfather on my mother's side also went to Sibel, followed by his son, my mother's uncle. So I'd like to say I was brewing in my blood, and I was just following the family tradition. But honestly, I had no idea about any of this till later," said Patrick. Thus armed, Eric and Patrick came back together, and began dealing with the hard practicalities of starting their own brewery. They were relatively lucky enough to find their first investor, Richard, who had given them the confidence to present their business plan more widely. And he has remained a very involved part of the Hardywood team ever since. The brewery's first site was a warehouse in Richmond, although neither of them came from the city. Eric was already based there, and they felt it had untapped potential as a real destination for craft beer. Eric kept telling me how great this town is, with the real enthusiasm for craft beer, and yet it only has one craft brewery. Legend, says Patrick. Ten years ago, Virginia was a desert, mostly thanks to very restrictive laws. But at the same time, you had these great bars championing craft beer from out of state. Places like Vietnamese restaurant Mekong. Craft beer sales were up 30% year on year compared with 10% across the US as a whole. So, it was a gamble. But we really felt it was the right time to start something new here. Eric picks up the story. The early days back in 2011 were tough. Long hours and it was more expensive than we'd expected. But about halfway through our first year, a draft bill was introduced which would allow breweries to have tap rooms. We got behind that with Devil's Backbone and Star Hill and just about made it through. The bill was signed at our downtown brewery on July 1st, 2012, and we celebrated with the first legal pint poured at a brewery in Virginia. Then, on the 4th of July, Independence Day, we had our first event in the parking lot across the streets. It was a total disaster, interrupted Fattery with a laugh. We promoted it on Facebook and about a 1,000 people signed up. Which felt like a lot to us. We were worried. In the end, 5,000 people turned up. Remember, we didn't know anything about hosting events. We were using bottle caps as currency. We got lambasted on total media. But the weather was nice. It was by far our most successful day to that point. And it made us realise this could really work. It also demonstrated something that would become a truism for Virginia breweries that followed in Hardywood's footsteps. The taproom. Even if it's just benches and some empty cakes for people to sit on in an old loading bay. It's essential for building brand loyalty and local following, and to be brutally honest, getting decent margins to reinvest in growth. Hardywood Park's first beer was Single, an Abbey style blonde that is in this month's beer 50 box. Eric had shifted a lot to strong ales during his time in sales, but he wanted to create something that was more sessionable, while retaining that classic Belgian character. When Patrick had been studying at Doman's, he had had the opportunity to visit the legendary Trappist Brewery at... That one. Vestflatera. Which is... W-E-S-T-V-L-E-T-E-R-E-N. I've visited that one myself. I've always wondered how you pronounce it. The funny story regarding that brewery that I might go into a little later in the show. So he visited the legendary brewery at Vestflatera and found that his house beer... Was exactly what and Eric had been looking for. Drier and hoppier than your usual blonde. Hardywood's version was now the best-selling beer in the taproom. And it's easy to see why. With its peppery, estery, yeasty profile. And spicy Sars hops. It's both distinctive and highly drinkable. Hardywood Park, single. Unfiltered, unpasteurised and uninhibited. Hardywood single is a feat in balance. Sunshine golden with a fluffy head and a veil of Belgian Ale Yeast. Singles' tropical fruit esters complement its spicy hop aromas. Delicate in body, Singles' mellow dry finish culminates in a truly ethereal experience. Someone thought that through, have not they? Let's get this out and into my glass and see what I think of... A Belgian single, brewed in America. Okay, that's no use, is it? I've got my glass in my hand, I've got my World Beer Festival glass, and I was about to try and open the glass. So, no. This is 6.2%, 30 IBUs. It comes in a 12-ounce fluid bottle, or 12-ounce bottle as the American would say, which is 355 mil. So let's get this out into my glass and see what I think of it. As always, opening with my De Heidenbriage bottle opener from the Netherlands. So, three, two, one. that pours a nice golden colour. Mmm, smells good. Definitely smells fruity. Right, let's get this down here and see what I think. Cheers guys. Mmm, that's interesting. Nice, sweet, very yeasty. Tastes very much like a Belgian beer, that. I think they've hit their style right on the head. I think I've ever had a single, had a double, had a triple. Mmm, that is actually quite nice. I like that, I like Belgian beer. Mmm, you can tell it's boozy, but it's Belgian and you can tell it's Belgian. That is really nice. I'm going to give that a 4 out of 5. Big thumbs up for my first beer out of the Virginia box. Cheers guys. Have a great evening and do whatever you're doing. And as I alluded to there before the review, I have a funny story regarding this fleet of the brewery. I called at that brewery on the way back from a coach trip in 2015. It was my first trip abroad. I'd gone with the woman who manages the foreign beers bar at Norwich Beer Festival. I got got talking to her um, at Norwich Beer Festival, and she told me she was... Going to start running trips to the continent and was I interested in coming? So she gave me a number and thought about it for a few days and then messaged her back saying, Yeah, I'll do that, that sounds fun, I'll come. So we'd done this trip, it was the last day of the trip, we were heading back for the ferry, but our last day included a trip to Vesfleto, brewery. So we, we were heading back to Norwich because everything went from Norwich because she was based out of Norwich so I was staying in a hotel for the night so the coach was loaded everything was packed and then we went to Vesflatera Brewery on the way to the ferry and me being me I bought a crate of 12 bottles of Vesflatera 12 it's called they're in embossed glass bottles there's no label on it at all it's just in an embossed bottle so with everything being packed I had to carry this on the coach and on the ferry fortunately I left it on the coach then I had to get it from where the coach dropped me off in Norwich back to my hotel which was probably about a five to seven minute walk and having nowhere to put it I couldn't carry it because I had my case to pull I slipped it on top of my case then pulled my case diagonal to wheel it over to the hotel and about 200 yards from the hotel the entire case of beer drops off the top of my suitcase with a rather large crash at five o'clock in the morning and four bottles survive i've still got those four bottles to this day so i still haven't tried the vesplator at 12. but there we go just thought i'd relate to you my little anecdote about vesplator brewery while we were there let's get back to the uh, Virginian beer, shall we? From Richmond, Virginia, we are travelling 98 miles north to the border of Washington, DC to Alexandria and Port City Brewing Company. Let's see what Richard Crowsdale has to say on Port City Brewing Company. Fall to Port. The Port City taproom isn't exactly at the heart of a thriving residential area. And yet a short cab ride, or walk if you fancy, from downtown Alexandria It's packed with punters, both at the bar and in a roped-off overflow area on the brewery floor itself. Seven smiling folk behind the bar face a queue several deep. It's fair to say that after a few days after it celebrated its ninth birthday, Port City is the mainstay of the community it calls home. A lot has changed over this time, of course. When Port City opened, there were less than 40 breweries in the state and 2,400 in the entire US. Now there are 260 and 8,000 respectively. It's much more competitive than it was, and quality is more important now than ever, says founder Bill Butcher. Fortunately, that's something we've always focused on. We didn't open with the goal of being the best local brewery. We set out to compete with beer from all over the world, because Washington is a very international marketplace, and there's beer coming here from all over the world. This ambition has been part of Port City's business plan since day one. As well as bringing on experienced head brewer Jonathan Reeves, Bill deliberately overspecified his 10,000 square foot brewery in a way that allowed a high level of control and allowed Port City to simply plug and play new fermentation vessels to facilitate growth. Jonathan has 25 years experience as a brewer and we're lucky to have him as our brewmaster since the beginning. So he had a big hand in designing the brewery itself according to his knowledge and the types of beers he wanted to brew. He also worked on all the recipes and trained all the younger brewers on this specific system and how they get the best from it. Everything we've done has been very deliberate. The result has been 11 medals in the Great American Beer Festival, all proudly displayed behind the taproom bar. It was also named Small Brewing Company of the Year 2015 at the Great American Beer Festival and has won more medals at the Virginia Craft Brewers Festival than any other brewery. This record has been achieved purely by championing classic European styles. So I try to be delicate when asking whether Bill feels any pressure to keep up with the sweeping trends of the rest of the East Coast, including his Virginian peers. He laughs at my awkwardness. No, we won't be doing hazy, or fruit, or adjunct beers, he says with a grin. We're not trying to invent new styles of beer but brew the very best examples of the styles we love. For example, Optimal Wit is a traditional Belgian style, so it's brewed with traditional Belgian spices. We have orange peel, coriander, and then we add grains of paradise, which is kind of like a peppercorn. I bloody brought up Optimal Wit, not only because it's going to be in the Beer 52 box, but because it's been my go-to Virginian beer since I landed. Somewhat reminiscent of Allagash White, it's Port City's runaway success, much to the surprise of Bill, who expected his original IPA to be the big seller. Supremely comparable, but still with bags of character. It's a real all-round beer that goes brilliantly with food. 25th of May 2020. Today I have a Port City Porter from Alexandria, Virginia. This is a 7.2% robust porter. And it says on it, A robust porter offers bittersweet aromas and flavours of coffee and bittersweet chocolate. It has a complex malt character, smooth and satisfying and is easy drinking. Great American Beer Festival 2015 Silver Award Winner World Beer Cup 2018 Silver Award Winner in the Robust Porter category. This beer shows bittersweet flavours of coffee and dark chocolate with a very complex malt character enhanced by a yeasty fruitness. Paws ink black with a rich, long-lasting brown lace in the head. Port City Porter has earned a 90-point rating on Beer Advocate and was named one of the 40 essential dishes every Washingtonian must try by the Washington Post. Right, so let's get this out. into my glass, which I don't have. One moment. I forgot to go get my glass in the break. So let's get this out of the bottle, into my glass, and see what I think. The brewery logo is a lighthouse which is printed on the bottle gap. It comes in a 12-ounce bottle, or 355 millilitres. So let's get this out into my glass and see what I think. No movement when I take the cap off. Some of these have been very lively when I've taken the cap off. There we go. See what I think of this, it's a 7.2% porter, it looks very black, it's got no head at all, a little bit of foamy stuff on top. Oh it smells sweet, this smells good. Cut this down me and see what I think. Not literally of course, because I don't really want to spoil this nice blue shirt with this black beer, it'll mark it. Oh that is nice, very boozy tasting, it's on the border of where it tastes boozy, very thick which is that high malt bill it talked about, getting lots of chocolate on there, like it said, maybe a little bit of cherry, definitely dark fruits. Mm, That is really, really nice, that is a really good porter, I'm really enjoying that. I'm going to give that a 4 out of 5. Right, I'm going to go. It says these beers are from Virginia, but I thought Alexandria was Washington, but there we go. It's right on the borders. (laughs) Cheers guys, have a great evening, do yourself what you're doing, stay safe. From Alexandria, we are heading back south to Richmond, through Richmond and then east to the town. Of Williamsburg where we find the Virginia Beer Company. Let's rejoin Richard Crosdale at the Virginia Beer Company. By the time I reach Williamsburg it's snowing and light dusting has already settled on the trees making this historic town all the more beautiful. I've arrived at the Virginia Brewing Company and Tap Room about an hour before it's due to open and co-founders Chris Smith and Rob Wiley are there to greet me. They're an affable pair of old college friends who both gave up soul-destroying jobs in finance to move back to Williamsburg and pursue their shared brewing dreams. We met in 2004 and started drinking together, says Rob. After graduation, we both went on and did other things. I was in New York and Rob was in Washington DC. But we always had this brewing idea in the back of our minds. We both hated our jobs and were pretty much living to get home and brew in the evening, continues Chris. Things got a lot more serious in 2011 and we went to our first craft brewers conference in early 2012 in San Diego. That's when we decided we were going for it. So I moved back here in 2012 and started looking for a site. The pair looked at countless locations on the east coast, not just in Virginia, but sought to find somewhere that both felt right and met their technical needs. For the kind of project they had in mind, they knew they would need plenty of space, 10,000 square feet minimum. Plus robust drainage and power already installed. Williamsburg was like a light bulb moment for us because of that authenticity, says Chris. We met here, we fell in love with beer here, we have that connection to the community. This place was built in 1960 by the utility then utility company. It's where they kept the trucks. If you look at the walls, you can see where the bays were. The floor slopes slightly down to a central trench drain but it sat empty for about 15 years before we took it on and was in pretty bad shape cosmetically. It took a while, basically every surface in here is new. Having signed the lease in December of 2014, Chris and Rob were finally ready to brew in January of 2016. Also during this time, they found their brewmaster, Jonathan Newman, who had moved from Sweetwater Brewing Company in Georgia and was instrumental in helping design and build the new brew house according to its founder's vision. We had a particular idea of how we wanted to position our brand, explained Rob. There are also of small breweries who never make the same brew twice, but we wanted it to be a bit of a hybrid. A bigger, more classic production brewery, and a smaller, flexible craft brewery. So we designed it that way. We have a 30-barrel brew house, and right next to it, a 5-barrel brew house. The whole thing is custom-made and fully integrated. The pumps, the control panel, even the malt conveyor, all work together so we can have flexibility to do those interesting small batches, but also do production brewing for the volume channels like grocery stores. Virginia Brewery Company releases six small batch canned beers each month, alongside its four core beers. One of those mainstays, Freeverse, was one of the first Jonathan created in his initial run of test batches before the brewery officially opened. The whole team was teamed to go out with a big, bold, East Coast-style IPA, and Freeverse is definitely that. Weighing it at a hefty 6.8%, it's hazy and smooth, with big tropical fruit notes, and obscene quantities of Azaka and Chinook hops. A little more bitter than some of its East Coast counterparts, I personally find the balance makes Freeverse more drinkable. Which is perhaps why it remains the boys' biggest selling beer. And the first beer out of this box that I had from the Virginia Brewing Company was the Freeverse. Hey, good evening guys. I'm sat out in the garden. It's been a nice day today. 26th of May 2020. Tonight I have a can of Freebirth IPA from the Virginia Beer Company. It says this duty unfiltered tropical IPA expresses itself without limitation thanks to copious helpings of a Zaka and Chinook Hop note. Some natural occurring sediment normal and expected. That was an interesting night. Foamed up a little around the key fob. So here we go. Mmm, oh, that smells good. Nice and sweet and juicy. It's got a one and a half finger foamy white head. It is a very hazy golden colour. Mmm, oh, that's quite nice actually. Yeah, I like that. Mm. Mm. Hey, Nice, that. Nice, sweet, juicy, fruity. Another poet, I appreciate the name Freeverse. Sorry, dogs, just here. You look at me like, who are you talking to? I've had that reaction in the pub before, as not I? <laughs> this comes in a 12-ounce can, or 355 milliliter can. Although this one's actually got a best before, it has a best before of 28th of January 21. Packaging's nice, nice plain packaging, all metal can, it's cream, with blue and white printed on it primarily. Alright, have a great evening guys, enjoy what you're doing, stay safe. Jonathan leads recipe creation, but it's also a team effort, says Rob. Like this morning, we were talking about our limited release for April. I was just in Italy, in Rimini for a beer and food expo. we were was talking to a bunch of Italian brewers about Italian style pilsners, which is dry hopped basically. So when we were deciding what to do next, I immediately said, an Italian pilsner. So if someone has a good idea, or an interesting idea, then the brewers spearhead the recipe development. Since I ran into them a couple of years ago, I've always been impressed with Virginia Beer Company's bold, straightforward branding. I'd put it to Chris and Rob that claiming the state's name as its brand is a kind of ballsy move for a brewery straight out of the gate. A very simple brand, yeah, said Chris, Grinning. The thing is, I saw a lot of breweries that would pigeonhole themselves with their branding, and it came to limit them. Virginia Beer Company doesn't really pigeonhole us at all. We can go any direction from there, and Virginia's brand as an international beer destination is growing too. That was a big part of our hope. It's great for export, and I think it makes us sound older than we are. The sense of place does seem to be key to this brewery's secret sauce. And it's completely understandable that it took Chris and Rob so long to find a home that felt right. Unsurprisingly, the brewery's motto is Beer, People, Purpose. And it is heavily involved in the local community. That was a big part of why we did this, confirms Chris. I worked in finance before and hated it. Mostly because I never got any personal fulfilment out of what I was doing. Like, I was making money for rich people. And Robbie was in consulting. And that also kind of felt like, you know... It wasn't doing much good for anyone. One of the things that always drew us to craft beer was that you could be a community-led business and impact the people around you in a positive way, says Rob. So that was a huge pillar in our plan. I think it's what we're recognised for, besides the beer of course. We work with charities, constantly giving money, beer and time, and that extends to our own team here. We try really hard to be a good employer and make sure everyone who puts their trust in us really wants to come to work each morning. I'm only on tiny samples this morning, as I still have a drive ahead of me to O'Connor, but Chris and Rob are kind enough to send me away with one of their extra special Barrel Age beers, which I'll share later in the day. It's been a real pleasure to meet them, and we'll be able to catch up the next time they're in the UK. For my final beer out of this box for this week, I stayed at the Virginia Brewing Company, and I had a can of their Elbow Patches Oatmeal Stout. And the description for this on Untapped says... An oatmeal stout to be endured with breakfast, lunch, dinner or any time in between. A smooth velvety base sets the stage for pronounced aromas of chocolate and coffee. It's an oatmeal stout, 6.2%, it has an IBU, which is International Bitterness Units. So that tells you how bitter it is. The higher the IBU, the bitterer the beer. So this is 26, so this is quite low bitterness. And the hops used is Northern Brewer. And it's won 5 awards. 2018 Virginia Craft Beer Cup Gold in the Dark and Strong British Category. 2018 European Beer Star Awards, Silver in the Dry Stout Category. 2019 Australian International Beer Awards, Silver in the Other Stout Category. 2019 International Beer Cup, Silver in the Export Stout Category. And the 2019 Brussels Beer Challenge, Bronze in the Export Stout Category. So see, what another beer from the Virginia Beer Company. Again, this comes in a 12-ounce or 355ml can. There's beer, people, purpose around the front. Cheers from Williamsburg, Virginia. An oatmeal stout to be enjoyed with breakfast, lunch, dinner, or any time in between. A smooth, velvety base sets the stage for pronounced aromas of chocolate and coffee. This sounds just up my street. 6.2%. My last one I had from them, the Freeverse, was 6.8% of them. Yeah, I can't read it. It's 8 or 9. 6.8 or 6.9%. To mix things up tonight, I have got out my Salopian glass. So this is Elbow Patches it's called. Oatmeal Stout. This one is black. This one is same cream coloured can, but this time everything's in black, rather than the other one that was in very light blue colour. It's virginiabeerco.com if you want to look these guys up. So let's get this out into my glass and see what I think. Oh shit. <laughs> oh. The key tabs actually physically snapped as I opened it and dripping it all over the table because again it was very lively, very foamy. <laughs> I've never had that before. So it pours a very deep black colour with a two finger tan head. Oh and I've already dripped it down my shirt grey. Time for a change of shirt. Smells good, smells of chocolate. Mmm. Oh wow that is amazing. Oh I like that. I like that a lot. 6.2%. 6.2%. I honestly couldn't read it. Just enough bitterness, not overly sweet. Not by mind the Sweet stouts, I really like sweet stouts. I'm going to give that a 4 out of 5, that is really nice. Cheers guys, well done Virginia Beer Company. Cheers everyone, have a great evening. I'll see you soon.
1: When I first laid eyes on you Lady it cool in my mind I don't want to be no fool I gathered up the nerve Determined to make it work, babe I walk on over, my heart is beating fast, babe I keep on pushing, I know my courage won't last And then we finally meet Under the shade of an apple tree Keep coming back to that apple tree, babe Carving our name in the trunk you and me, babe Don't want to have it no other way There's so much left to say Left to say Been a couple of years and I think we're doing fine Turn to me, said you need space and time How did we ever get this wrong? I thought what we had was strong. We talk about it, can we say some things we shouldn't have said I had no idea all that was in your head But I got the remedy To bring you back how we used to be Yeah Coming back to that apple tree, babe. Carving that name in the trunk, it's you and me, babe. Don't wanna have it no other way. There's so much left to say, left to say. Thought we were strong together, we've been through hell and back together, yeah. Yes, we did, babe Don't want things to change I know we got to work on things scared it back We can put this thing on try <laughs> Yes, we did, babe yeah, babe Keep coming back to that apple tree Having that name in the trunk, you and me Don't wanna have it no other way There's so much left to say left to say
0: That was Apple Tree by Jeris Cook. Derris Cook describes himself as a soul-infused folk artist, raised on the musical diet of vintage Motown and '90s R&B. Derris Cook is serving up his own blend of music therapy with a dash of folk. Combine that with his percussive style of play, and you become witness to a performance that is both unique and memorable. The mission is simple: to produce music that is therapeutic in a way that some foods are. After all. Music is the food of the soul. So eat up, because the music therapy begins here. So if you remember, last week I left you with Beer 52's Richard Crowsdale, heading off for O'Connor Brewing. And O'Connor Brewing is where we start this show. The dream of O'Connor has been 20 years in the making, since founder Kevin O'Connor wrote his final graduate paper on starting a new brewery in the year 2000. It would take him another decade until St Patrick's Day 2010 to put this blueprint into action. One of Coastal Virginia's first craft breweries. O'Connor has gone from humble beginnings to become a World Cup beer award winning brewery with more than 40 employees and dozens of styles. It's best known for its Alguapo Agave IPA, which is now Virginia's best-selling craft beer brand. We're definitely one of the oldest breweries in Virginia, Kevin says. When I started, we were just a production facility. Brewing beer and packaging it. But with the advent of the tasting room that changed everything, it really got us to bring more people in to build the brand. Now, of course, the tap room is a huge part of the brewery, physically and strategically. Importantly, though, it's not too slick. There's just a rail separating the drinkers from the brewers hard at work. And the sounds and smells of production brewery complete with music and the conversation of punters. Could be old-fashioned, but I like this, and it seems to fit with O'Connor's image. I was at the Craft Brewers' conference in Denver last year and stumbled into a breakout session, says Kevin, and some guy sits down next to me, looks at my badge and says, are you the guys who make El Guapo? I looked at his badge and he's from Arizona. I say, yeah, he says, ah, you're like me, one of the old school. I never thought of it that way, but we were like the thousandth brewery in America. And now there's almost 8,000. So, yeah, I suppose at the end of the day, we are the old school. He's obviously seen the market change a lot over the past decade. And breweries coming through today may not know how hard it was to build a following and grow without the benefit of a taproom. room. But Kevin dismisses the idea that the new wave have it easy. We have two beers from O'Connor this show. And I'm going to start with the Northrop Canyon Pale Isle. Hey guys, welcome back to another week of beer reviews here on the Beer Show and we're away. I'm taking you back to Virginia, to Norfolk, Virginia, where the big naval station is. And this is a bottle of O'Connor Brewing's Norfolk Canyon Pale Ale. 5.5% comes packaged in a 12 fluid ounce bottle, which is 355 millilitres. And it says, named after the offshore fishing grounds located 60 miles off the coast of Virginia, Norfolk Canyon Pale Ale, medium bodied American Pale Ale with a biscuity malt palate and a pleasant hot finish. This brew was dry hopped to give it an extra fresh kick of hot flavour and aroma. My De Haida Brewery bottle opener, there we go, and I am drinking out of my World Beer Festival beer glass. There we go. Right, so there it is. This is a nice clean golden colour. It's got a half finger foamy white head. Mmm, smells good. So, this is an APA. Let's see what I think of this. Mmm, mmm, it's not bad. Very tangy, very biscuity. It's a bit of a biscuity finish. Mm. Very citrus tang to it. Very much a dry finish. It's okay. Cheers, guys. Would I drink it again? I'd try it again. Um, maybe if I was in Norfolk, Virginia, and I saw this on draft in a bar or the tap room, I'd give it a go. I'm going to give that three and a half out of five. I will see you guys soon. Have a great afternoon. You do this as what we do. Stay safe. We'll see in a bit. Our next beer comes from the state capital, Richmond. From Hardywood Park Craft Brewery, in an area of the city known as The Diamond. Good neighbours. Hardywood's motto is Brew with Purpose, and this manifests itself across the brewery's activities. There's it its high profile commitment to environmental performance, with 100% of energy requirements being met from on-site renewable sources but there are also less obvious ways the brewery integrates and supports with the local community. Its Great Return IPA is, as well as being a seriously good beer, a tribute to the decades of hard work that have gone into restoring the James River as a vibrant aquatic habitat. Once so polluted that even bathing in the river was banned, it now once again plays host to the endangered Atlantic sturgeon, whose presence once saved the first settler communities from starvation. As well as raising awareness, Hardywood donates $10 per barrel to the James River Association to support its award-winning mission to be the guardian of the waterway. The brewery also has a great track record of working with local producers when sourcing ingredients for its brews. For example, one of its most successful lines, Gingerbread Stout, began life when local farmer Bill Cox showed up at the brewery with an armful of ginger he'd grown. Bill saw we'd used ginger in a previous recipe, and came in with big stalks of baby Hawaiian ginger, said Patrick. Two hours later, we'd heard so much about ginger. Didn't know what we brew with it, but it had this really unique, really subtle flavour. So we were like, why not? Then two weeks later, Eric met this guy who makes wildflower honey and has a bunch of acres just north of here. We suddenly had all this ginger and all this honey. And Eric said, has anyone ever made a gingerbread stout? The beer was a runaway success, scoring bronze in the World Beer Cup and a perfect 100% in Beer Advocate in its first year. The next batch went out in October and Eric and Patrick got their first taste of true craft fandom. We couldn't believe we got to the brewery on launch day and people were queuing round the block. Our initial feeling was that we felt awful these people were standing outside in the cold. We didn't understand the beer line culture, as we'd never seen it in Virginia. And it spiralled from there with each new release. It's great of course, but that's never what we intended. It's something that started organically. Now we have a beer club for the super enthusiasts. The Ginger Honey collaboration was just the start. And kick-started a slew of local growers keen to have their seasonal high quality produce incorporated into beer. For many of these growers, Hardywood has become their single largest customer. The ginger was great, but it was really Bill's passion that inspired us. And we found so many other people in the area who are as passionate about what they do as we are about beer. It just creates this great synergy. So at one point we made a whole series using just Virginia Ingredients, which became our Virginia root Series. Two of which have gone on to win silver at the Great American Beer Festival. The Journey and the Destination The latest development in Hardywood's story has been its opening in 2016 of the truly impressive facility in which we now sit. The site was originally intended as a fabrication plant for a large international semiconductor company which fell through just after the groundwork and services had been completed. That was rather lucky, wasn't it? For Hardywood Brewery, with industry level infrastructure already in place in an idyllic rural setting, it was the perfect spot for Hardywood. It goes without saying, the taproom experience was a key part of the design from the beginning. While the beautiful German brew house is showcased for those enjoying a beer, the accompanying tangle of pipework and valves are concealed in a lower deck, allowing the real business of brewing, the cleaning, testing and maintenance, to happen swan-like safely below the surface. Anyone taking a tour round will also see lots of barrels on their way round. I obviously spotted a lot of bourbon, but there was also wine, scotch whiskey and apple brandy thrown in there for good measure. Like most Virginian breweries, barrel-aiding is a huge part of Hardywood's seasonal and specials programme and I gratefully took away a bottle of its exceptionally blended anniversary ale. As large as the new brewery is, space is at a premium, and there are many exciting developments planned, including a taproom kitchen and an outdoor amphitheatre, so Hardywood can host shows on the banks of the river. Already in a popular destination for locals and beer tourists alike, Hardywood seems set to go stratospheric. So, there we go, that concludes Hardywood Ales a great brewery, and one reversing the trend, supporting environmental causes, and being eco-friendly. So let's talk about, we've just talked about the beer there at the end of this article, so let's drink it. This is The Great Return from Hardywood Park. This time we are returning to Hardywood Brewery, and a beer all about fish. Yep, you heard me. Hardywood's Great Return IPA, in a... Nice little bottle, very reminiscent of a Belgian stubby. It is a 12-fluid ounce bottle, so it is mil. So it says on the back of this, American IPA. Bold and resinous, with a bright citrusy finish, this IPA is a tribute to the decades of effort by conservationists to restore the health of our rivers. Culminating in the return of the Atlantic sturgeon. Proudly brewed and bottled by Hardywood Park Craft Brewery, Richmond, Virginia, USA. Proceeds from this beer support the James River Foundation. Oh, they're a bio brewery. 100% renewable powered with wind, solar, and biogas. The part of the Independent Craft Society. Certified. So there's your bottle. It's got a sturgeon on it. Let's see if Untapped has anything slightly different to say about that. Boggled resinous and bursting with bright grapefruit aroma, this IPA is a tribute to the decades of hard work by conservationists to restore the James River as a bounty of vibrant aquatic life, eco-friendly recreational activity, and in our case, fresh brewing water. These efforts have culminated recently with the symbolic return of the endangered Atlantic sturgeon, a prehistoric yet majestic behemoth of a fish. Spotted as far up the James River of the Fall Line in Richmond. Your purchase of this beer supports the James River Association. Thank you for being part of the Great Return. Slightly different to what they're printed on the bottle, but there's only so much you can get on the bottle label, so there we are. Supporting the return of the great Atlantic Sturgeon to the Europe. Looking out of my flavourly glass, I know, beer 52 flavourly. Oh wow, that one didn't even fall off. That's been my first bottle cap in ages that hasn't actually dropped off. So, there we go. Right, let's try this out. It's golden beer, it's 7.5%. Mmm, smells resin, that smells piney and resinous. Mmm, oh, that is nice, nice, sweet. A little bit dry on the back end. Mm. Mm. Oh, I like that. That's a good IPA. That leaves good lacing on the glass. It's got a half finger, very foamy white head. Yeah, it's not too bad. That very hoppy, very juicy. Mm. Has got that sustained bitterness on the back end. Yeah, as I said with the last one. I'd love to try this in the bar. If I had the chance to go out to Richmond, Virginia, and this was on in a bar or Hardywood's taproom, yeah, I'm drinking it again. Mm. I Love that little stubby bottle though. That is so cool. So it's hardywood.com slash great return is the website for this thing. It's got its own website because it's a campaign beer. Oh, there we go. It leaves a very grapefruity bitter finish even for a few minutes after you've stopped drinking. I've, I finished drinking it about a minute or two ago and I've still got that dry grapefruity bitter finish in my mouth. It's quite nice. It's not as refreshing as I'd like on a day that's 20 degrees C. Give that a 3.5 out of 5. Nice good mid-range American IPA. a well, great evening, enjoy yourselves what you'll be doing. Elevated Beer Coming to brewing from 20 years in the wine industry, the ability to take his beers out into the restaurant industry was a key part of Bill's plan. He was already a known face among many restaurateurs in Alexandria, Washington and beyond, so to a certain extent was pushing us an open door. Connections aside though, his experience has proven useful in other ways. The most successful wineries I was involved with had a very active education programme and tasting rooms. It was all about that style of hospitality where people would come in, do a tour, and buy some bottles to go. The idea was not originally to have this type of crowd, he says, gesturing around the thronging taproom. So we were accidental publicans, I guess. But having taken a wine market approach to beer for the best part of a decade, does Bill see his brews now getting some sort of parity in terms of respect? I think beer is starting to get the recognition it deserves. Yes, and I think we've been a big part of that, she continues. I've always been convinced that while it is a different beverage, it's just as complex and just as complimentary to a fine meal. And we certainly treat our beer with the same respect you'd see with a fine bottle of wine, which I think carries over into the market. I'm sure you've seen this week in your travels that people here treat beer really well, taking care of their draft lines, using correct glassware and so on. We open up our doors here and we encourage restaurants to bring their staff here so they can do a tour. So we can show them our process, show them our ingredients and show them the care we take to ensure that our quality is right. Port City's roots extend beyond working closely with the local restaurants. Named Small Business Philanthropist of the Year for Alexandria in 2016, Bill and his team have worked hard to make themselves an integral part of the community. A fact that no doubt contributes to tonight's packed taproom. Activities include working with the local food bank, running a regular canned food drive at the grocery store, and supporting many local charity auctions and fundraisers by donating beers and free tours. We also open up the tasting room on a Wednesday night, if there's a local non-profit that wants to take it over for the evening. They'll bring their people in and do an event or a tasting, for example, and then we'll kick back 10% of that evening's sales to the organisation. So that way, the more people they bring, the more we're able to give back to their organisation. People love it, says Bill. It's no wonder Bill is keen to put something back. He raves about the support the state has given to its homegrown craft breweries, and to the growing agro-tourism sector in general, creating the right environment for good businesses to succeed. Where we are, we talk a lot about our peers, people in DC and Maryland, because they're right across the river. And in terms of the support we have in Virginia, it's day and night, yeah. The state of Maryland makes it very difficult for a small brewery to compete. The same is true for export. It's not a huge part of our business, but it's still important and something we need to foster. The state has been very supportive in that, in terms of spreading the word, getting us into beer festivals and other markets, and helping us understand what they're looking for. As a state, there's no doubt we punch above our weight internationally. Hey guys, I'm back with my penultimate beer out of this box of beer from Virginia, from Beer 52. And we are going to Alexandria. My second beer in last week was a Port City, and my penultimate beer is Port, Port City Optimal Wit. Belgian style white ale brewed with spices, 4.9%, comes in a 12 fluid ounce bottle or 355 milliliter bottle. This has a best before of 27th of the 2nd of 21, so well in date. Alright, oh this wasn't imported by Beer52, they've got a UK office. Imported by Port City Brewing UK Limited, 55 Baker Street, London. Let's get this out into my glass, I'm drinking out my World Beer Festival glass today. My De bottle opener. And again, the cap doesn't drop off, which is good in a way. Mm, there we are, look at that, that's a good, very cloudy golden colour, but it is a Whitbeer, so you expect that. So, there it is, very cloudy golden colour. Completely flat, there's a little bit of foamy stuff on top, not, not enough head to talk about. Oh, that smells like a Whitbeer. Yeah, that's got the. Hmm. Oh, what's the best way to describe a wit beer or a Belgian white ale? It's got a very specific taste, it's like coriander, maybe? Let's get this down here and see what I think. Mmm, that tastes like a wit beer. There isn't really much more I can say on the matter. (laughs) <laughs> Except it tastes like a Whip Beer. Coriander, maybe a little bit of lime. Mm, very much a creamer, so I can't quite place it. There is a very specific taste to Whip Beers. And I'm not entirely sure what it is. I can't quite place what it is. Oh, oh I haven't read the description, have I? So the description for this one, there isn't one on the bottle. The description for this on untapped says, so this is one at the Great American Beer Festival, the GABF. Gold in 2013, bronze in 2015 and silver in 2018 in the Belgian-style wit beer category. Optimal wit is brewed in the Belgian wit beer tradition. It is brewed with raw wheat and oats and steeped in, there we are, coriander, orange peel and grains of paradise. That's what I can taste, it's orange peel. I knew there was coriander in there, definitely got the coriander this pale ale is golden in colour with a bit of a cloudy haze from the natural yeast in the bottle there you go and it's got active yeast in the bottle i said it's actually quite yeasty as well this unfiltered ale offers layers of complex nuanced flavours that evolve in the glass it finishes crisp and refreshes the palate that's what i couldn't quite place it was orange peel coriander and orange that's the one What's that very famous whipped beer that's mass produced? Um Blue Moon, if you ever had Blue Moon, this tastes very similar. You know, that's what it tastes like. So it wasn't lime, it was orange I was guessing. Sorry. Mm. I knew there was something along those lines in there. Good, that's good. Especially for 4.9% alcohol. I'm gonna go that four out of five. That is really nice. Alright. See you guys soon. Have a great evening. We've already had the segment on Port City but there was a little bit of a fun bit afterwards so let's go to the rest of the Port City article and see what happened. Into Alexandria. I've already taken up enough of Bill's time and bid him goodbye for the afternoon. Still, the room continues to fill up so I decide to hang around Port City and continue exploring this awesome lineup of beers. I strike up a conversation with the group at the end of my table. They're colleagues, but mess up this evening quite by chance. For a country that doesn't really have a long-standing pub culture, Americans are really great at the art of welcoming strangers. And, several rounds later, Caitlin, Kathleen, Josh and I are firm friends. Caitlin kindly volunteers to show me around some of her favourite local bars. So we leave the others and grab an Uber up to the cool waterside streets of Old Town, Alexandria, on the western bank of the Potomac. For reasons that escaped me, I decided it would be a great idea to mark my visit to the, this famous river by anointing myself in this water. I have wet feet for the rest of the evening, but don't really notice. From here we head to Don Taco, where I hoover up more than my fair share of amazing tacos and punti margarita. It's my experience that you can literally go anywhere in the US and find tacos that are infinitely better than anything you'll find in the UK and Virginia is no exception though the fried avocado is a winner Mm. though the deep fried avocado is a winner it's then a short stumble along to the rocket grill a quid sent to the American bar with pool, darts and to my my delight and my delight, karaoke wait, you've actually put down your name Asked Caitlin, visibly horrified, although I quickly realised this probably isn't the right crowd for classic British rock. Still, Sympathy for the Devil goes over reasonably well. And one kind soul even finds me afterwards to say I'd absolutely nailed that Beatles song. I'll take it. At some point, you switch from credible local craft tales to points of full moon, make a bunch more friends, and all dancer songs have seemingly specific moves that are a mystery to me, obviously. Nobody believes what I do for a living, but I can't be 100% sure at this point I haven't made it all up, so we agree to let it slide. All too soon it's time for bed. I wander back to my wonderful Alexandrian hotel, taking in all the quirky charm of this beautiful, vibrant neighbourhood. I have one more morning to enjoy here, I'm looking forward to skipping across the river into the weird world of Washington DC. Old Town Alexandria Alexandria's buzzing waterside Old Town packs a lot of good times into a relatively small space making it the perfect spot for any beer lover looking for a quick hit of local culture and here are some of my standout picks The Torpedo Factory Art Centre is a naval munitions factory that was converted into a super cool art centre on the banks of the Potomac River Virtue Feed and Grain offers great food from fresh local flavours and ingredients with a seasonal perspective. The Potomac Riverboat Company conducts regular tours along the water, stopping at Georgetown and The Wharf. So there we go. Richard sales Roundup of Alexandria. For the final beer of the show, we're heading back to the beginning. Back to O'Connor Brewing. The beer has always come first for us, even if our marketing was shit back in the early days. And then, as time went, we cleaned up a little. We got shirts, but the liquid has always been there. And I think we've only gotten better with it. Things are different now, of course. You absolutely can't go out into the market with a bad beer. But you also need the right location, right decor, a great story, and a clear idea of where you're headed. It's getting tougher and tougher for new breweries. Another respect in which new breweries perhaps have it tougher is nailing that all-important one great beer that puts you on the map. For O'Connor, this was arguably El Guapo. It's an Agave IPA. In the loading space next to the canning line is a mountain of the stuff. Destined for beer 52 subscribers back home. Kevin grabs the can and throws it to me. It's still cold from being filled. I eagerly crack it open for a sample. The earthy sweetness from the Agave isn't overwhelming. And there's a pleasant lemon rind bitterness from the hops. It doesn't try to blow your mind with unexpected or intense flavours. It's just distinctive, balanced and perfectly brewed. Kevin Caution's new brewers about trying to stand out by brewing gimmicky beers, arguing these customers will not keep coming back for the long term. You know, I believe back in the late 90s, even the early 2000s, American beer was basically boiled down to, pardon my French, whose hop dick was bigger than the next. Like, how many hops can you put in this before your teeth fall out of your head? Balance went out the window. I kind of see that sometimes with the pastry sales now. You just pile in the lactose and it literally turns into a dessert. Sweet, vanilla, chocolate, whatever you're going to add to it. It's like eating fat people cake. So first and foremost, it's about balance for us. If it's a New England Hazy Cell Duty IPA, we want the softness to wear because that's the category. And that's what works well. I think everything we do could fall in line with the American BJCP. I'll pause there for a sec. I had to look up what the BJCP was. It's the Bearded Certification Programme. The principal component of the BJCP is, of course, the general membership of over 2,500 judges of various ranks and experience levels. And the members are assigned to seven different regions based on geography. Regions include all parts of the US and Canada. The relatively few members who find themselves elsewhere in the world are automatically assigned to the Northeast region. So these are the beer judges. These are people who go and judge beer competitions. So basically saying all their beers automatically fall in line with what is required to be judged at a beer competition. Because you know earlier in the first part I said they'd won the World Beer Cup. And I've mentioned in previous weeks various awards won by different breweries. Well these are the people who judge beer competitions. The BJCP is the organisation which the beer judges belong to. So basically what he's saying is, every beer they make falls within the guidelines for judging at beer competitions. That's effectively the gist of it. We're thrilled to get O'Connor in the Beer 52 box this month, having tasted its beers at festivals in the past. We're also excited to hear that Kevin intends to grow with a brewerage presence in Europe. We've been to Craft Beer Rising a couple of times, and we we'll Brew LDN this year. And the reaction from UK drinkers has really been incredible. So we're really putting a lot of work into opening up our international sales programme. Looking at the UK, the Netherlands, Norway, Italy and France. The beer will continue to evolve too, according to Kevin. He's watched with interest in the growth of hard seltzers such as White Claw in the US. Something he personally predicted several years ago. He believes this is part of a wider movement towards lighter, easier drinking beverages that will be reflected in the craft market too. I still believe lagers are going to come back and take over America, he said. I think these pastry IPAs at $25 for a four pack are going to fall by the wayside in favour of low alcohol or better for you, or whatever they want to call it, beer. It's going to expand so rapidly I'm trying to figure out how I can make a beer of 0.5% alcohol and still have it taste good. I don't really think there's anyone that's cracked that yet. Kevin has a great team behind him working on the production floor and in the taproom. They're welcoming, and we all endure a laugh over a few samples before I have to leave Virginia Beach in search of my next stop a distillery in an infamous hotel. So, there we are. That is a bit about O'Connor Brewing. And I didn't go to the distillery next because there wasn't any of the whiskey involved in the box. But I did have one last beer. The final beer out of this box, and the final beer from O'Connor Brewing, was a dry Irish stout called Otis. My final beer out of this box from Virginia is a stout. We're going back to O'Connor Brewery in Norfolk, or Norfolk as the Americans call it. Norfolk is on the coast, it's where one of the big US naval bases is. And this is a dry Irish stout, 6.3%. A robust dry Irish stout with a rich roasted malt aroma. Smooth and velvety on the palate, concluding in a lingering dry finish. Otis is another one of the long time great Irish inspired beers. Awards. Bronze in the 2014 Dublin Cup. Hey, so how does that differ to what it says on the side of the bottle? A robust dry Irish stout with a r- rich roasted malt aroma. Smooth and velvety on the palate, concluding in a lingering dry finish. Otis is another in a long line of great Irish inspired beers. Searching for a point of gold? Meet Otis. Although, well, it's got more things on the side. So, 2014 it won bronze in the Dublin Craft Beer Cup. 2015 it won silver in the Virginia Craft Brewers Cup. And 2016 it won bronze in the World Beer Cup. Well, let's get this out into my glass and see what I think. So it pours completely black mm, it's not bad It is very dry It's got a very thin tan head It's good tannelating on the glass Dry Irish tout has never really been my thing. For its class it's not bad. So for for its style it's not too bad. So okay, it's a little bit sweet, a little bit creamy. I would try this to try it. Probably wouldn't go out and buy one. We're all different, we all have different tastes, so um, if anyone can get hold of this, or if anyone's still got some of this left over in their beer box, definitely give it a go. I'm going to give that a... It's not really my thing. I'm going to give that 3 out of 5. Alright, cheers guys, have a great afternoon, enjoy yourselves, stay safe, I'll see you soon. And that is it for Virginia. Thank you for joining me on this trip this time. Where we'll we be going next time, subscribe to the podcast to find out. If you have any comments, questions, or if there's anything you've seen that you think I should try and review, then you can get in contact by emailing cyberbeer at cyberbeer.co.uk You can find us on Twitter and Instagram using at cyber underscore beer or you can find us on Facebook by typing in Cyberbeer and if you want to see the process in process follow me on Twitter and Periscope Periscope is just at Cyberbeer or one word or you can watch through the Twitter account or on the Facebook account I go live on Facebook as well on a Monday and a Tuesday set your notifications because I never really know when I'm going to go live <laughs> don't ever set time It depends on the weather it's sometime afternoon sometimes it's evenings sometimes it's a bit of both And occasionally I do a weekend as well, a Saturday or a Sunday, or both. So just stay tuned to find out what's going on. So Like, set your notifications so you're notified when I go live to find out where I am and what I'm doing that week. And remember to subscribe to the podcast so you get the next episode when it drops.